And welcome everyone to the Jeanette Byro podcast. I am so thrilled to have you guys here joining in as we dive into the world of expanding consciousness. I am a medium, a channeler, and this podcast is an outlet for me to share messages from the Ascended Masters to light beings to archangels and more. And especially, I love sharing the messages from other people on this planet who are exploring consciousness for themselves and willing to share their experiences so that we can all learn because no experience is the same. So thanks for joining the show. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome everyone to Q&A part three. Thank you again so much for these wonderful questions and I am very excited to dive into part three. Now this will be the last of the Q&A podcasts. The other questions um, will be answered on individual videos that you can find here on YouTube. I often post them after my daily readings or if you're listening to this on any of the audio podcast platforms, if you check out my social media, my Instagram, Jeanette Biro.medium, as well as the Avalon Spirit Facebook group. I always post interesting tidbit videos there of, did you know this or did you know that? So there are some questions that I did answer and will continue to answer on those videos. So definitely check them out there. All right, now diving in, I have several, several questions for today. So let's just get going. So first question here is, Would you mind asking Spirit about twin flames? If they can explain why twin flames exist and what work they need to do for the collective consciousness. I read it is not just about them. It has a bigger purpose for the collective consciousness. So yes, twin flames is quite a hot topic the last couple years, as well as um, recently Netflix put out this really brutal documentary on twin flames and the unfortunate part is they only highlighted the warped side of what it could become not the truth of what twin flame connections really are and that that's what I find to be a shame is uh, it really doesn't reflect the truth of what twin flames are so twin flames are essentially the same some people say it's the same soul Some people say it's the same soul vibration that is having an incarnation at the same time in order to be very, very strong mirrors to one another to help each other move through ascension at a very rapid rate. And so what happens with Twin Flame Connections, and again, this is general, um, everybody's connection is quite unique in their own right, but I'm just taking the general approach. So when Twin Flames meet, there's this bond, this connection most often this very intense passion that connects the two of them and shows them what unconditional love and a synced frequency can truly feel like. Now, it can be similar feeling in many ways to soulmates. So I do not agree that twin flames are better relationships than soulmates. There are soulmate relationships that are absolutely stunning and passionate and heated and all of that. The thing with twin flames, though, is twin flames really come in to mirror. That is one of the biggest things. And so soon after the connection, the mirroring starts to happen, meaning you will be triggered by your twin flames behavior, their outlook or something that makes you have to look at yourself and ask yourself, what do you think about this? What do you really believe? What is the truth here? What is being reflected in you by the way that you react to their behavior? And so what happens is oftentimes people start to go down a path of 
bending their own morals, their own sense of self, because of the loving connection they feel, they start to abandon themselves, which creates even more mirroring, more mirroring, and it gets really, really loud. And that's why often there are cases where twin flames then have to split and there is a runner chaser scenario where one one person is like, I can't do this and the other one chases them. Sometimes that dynamic can switch, but sometimes you go through a period where you can't find that you're in sync. And the reason is, is the mirroring has triggered such a desire within the soul to dig deep and show itself, meaning going through your traumas, going through your narratives that desire to be changed, going through your preconceived beliefs, finding boundaries, knowing where to set up boundaries, even with your twin flame, so your twin flame doesn't run all over you. And so there's a huge benefit to that because the ascension that happens with somebody in that twin flame union is massive and very fast, very, very rapid. It's like a stripping bear to see the soul. And the soul is your own soul, yourself, triggered by the connection of your twin flame. Now that can lead to twin flames coming back together again. I also have come across twin flames that do stay together. They don't create the runner chaser in terms of like breaking up and never seeing each other. There are some that do stay together, but still go through those dynamics within the relationship but quite often they actually split apart. And sometimes they will come back together in the same lifetime, but it is also very common for them not to come back together in that same lifetime because the amount that was brought up was enough and maybe only what the soul can handle, or maybe the mirroring and the desire for what the soul wants to know is something that they will not get through or get to the bottom of in that lifetime because again, it comes back to free will choice. And that's the big piece here. So that's sort of how that dynamic works. It is to show you your best self by triggering, revealing, unearthing, but also showing the deepest connection of love within the whole mix. It's, it's um, such a whirlwind. Now, the question, the part of the question where it's like, why, why are they here? What are they doing for the collective consciousness? And that's a great question because the twin flame union is more than just the relationship. It's not just, um, there are some karmic partnerships that can mimic a twin flame relationship, but they're not twin flames. They're karmic partners, people here to trigger you. Now with the twin flame relationship though, what happens is when they are together in union, um, they, it's that whole thing that Jesus said of when two or more combine, so it shall be. The union of the two counterparts connecting together in shared creative ideas, shared consciousness, whatever it may be, they create a massive ripple effect, a massive ripple effect that has an effect on the land, on communities, on the people around them. It can have a massive ripple effect. Now, when twin flame union occurs, but both sides are somewhat warped or there's one dominant side that is warped, it can create major disharmonies. So that's why it's such a tricky thing to figure out because it demands, it absolutely demands intense personal growth within. And so again, many people can accomplish that still in union, but they will have to really get to the bare bones of their relationship and see if they can weather that storm. 
Um, other times, a twin flame may come into someone's life for but a time in that lifetime to trigger that person on an ascension journey. And then sometimes they can come together, uh, move apart, and then come back together when they've kind of grown up a little bit to make it very simple. But always the pairing of them coming together is to show an embodied frequency of unconditional love, soul harmony at its highest form. So it's really um, quite a beautiful thing, but quite an intense, massive journey. So I will leave it at that. Okay, now uh, this next question is... um, Sorry, skipping to the next one, because that other one was about Twin Flames, but it pretty much asks the same thing. So uh, the next question is, how can I lean, sorry, how can I learn my spirit guide's name as well as my angels? I would love to be able to communicate with them using their names. Now, here's a really interesting thing. I'm so glad this question came up. For the most part, spirit doesn't care what you call them. That's why sometimes spirits will come through and I'll be like, what is your name? And they will just show me a letter, S, P, uh, E. Like they'll just give me a letter. Sometimes they won't even give me a letter. They may give me a symbol or an animal, but they're not specifically that animal. And then sometimes they will give a name. And sometimes the names can be very, uh, I have one, for example, his name is Ninherg, not a very common name. But then I've had other ones come in and their name is Jackson, right? Like it's most of the time with spirit, they will, they will often let you pick the name, but then they will also sometimes come in with something really simple. Majority of the time, they're not specific to a specific name, but they will connect into a frequency given with a name. So what I'm trying to get at basically is, If you don't know your spirit guide's name and you've asked and you get nothing, you can appoint a name to them. And it kind of becomes like a a nickname, right? Like I've had several different nicknames through my life and I can respond to those nicknames, but they're not my name, but they were appointed to me for whatever reason. So the same thing goes with your guide. So that's something to consider. If you like the idea of connecting to a name, that's a very human thing and it's a beautiful thing. It's an acknowledgement. And so if you enjoy that and you don't know a name for your spirit guides, give them a name, bring them forward. And when you feel their presence, say, you know what? I really feel like you are a Sarah or you are a Jeffrey or whatever it may be, or maybe it's just a color. You are red. That will be the frequency of which you call them forward based on the frequency of that name. So you could even get really creative. So it's, it's, it's pretty fun. So that's a wonderful question. Okay, the next question is, I'd love to ask a question about connecting to my spirit guides. Once on psychedelics, I met my guides. They showed themselves to me and I had a knowing of who they were. That's when I learned about what spirit guides really were. When I feel deeply connected into my intuition, I see colors when I close my eyes as well. I feel like seeing these colors are directly correlated correlated to my guides, making their presence known. I'm wondering if I will be able to see them more clearly in my mind's eye in the future, or if seeing them was a one-time thing. So this is a beautiful question to follow on the one just previous, is sometimes your guides will just show you a color of who they are. And there are times where your guides may never actually show you 
a five-pointed star-like being, meaning a head, two arms, and two legs. They may be of such a high frequency that they actually don't have a body. Like the three guides of the light that I channel, for example, they don't actually have bodies. They are light consciousness. They showed me in the very beginning themselves as three individual bodies, which is why I call them the three guides of the light. But that was just for my brain to understand that they are a collective. So if you saw your guides and say they were green, right, they may simply only show up that way. And that is completely fine. As well, you may find that the way in which they show up starts to morph and change, but it may also be dependent on the level or depths of brainwave activity you're in. Like if you're in a deep meditation, you may have an easier time seeing them. However, there's also situations where guides will show themselves once, or you may hear their voice once and never again. And it's kind of a funny thing because I always say to them, like, you know, people would love to see you more or love to hear you more, but to them, that's not what's important for them. It's bringing through the messages. And so what I would say is in that experience, you most likely felt a resonance of that soul and of that spirit. So trust in that resonant feeling and trust when that comes forward. But at the same time, you can definitely ask them to come in more and be like, I would really like to see you again. It's really important for me that I see you somehow, even if it's just the color again. But that really helps me connect in deeper. Like, feel free to have that relationship with them where you also speak for what you need in it. And I think that's something that should be said because we often think that Spirit is speaking to us, therefore we just show up and receive, but we need to also recognize that although they're speaking to us, we are also equal parts in that conversation. So if there's something we need from that relationship or conversation, we have absolutely every right to voice it, to speak it, to share it, 100%. So I hope that helps answer that question. Okay, next question is, how do I become aware of my life or my path in life? I feel there is something to do that I will be doing, but I'm not quite sure what that is or how I get there. I'm sure others have the same question about their life paths. This is such a common question, so I love that you asked it. And, you know, what's really interesting is some people, some people are born onto this planet with a clear direction and knowing of what they're going to do. They just come in knowing because it's not part of their journey to have to discover what that is. I mean, there might be details in it that they discover, but for whatever reason, it's not part of their life path to have to discover it. However, other people come in for an experience of discovery. And so for some, it might be about revealing the things needed to find that one particular thing. However, for many others, Many of us have come into a life path to simply discover. So there isn't an end goal in sight. That purpose piece isn't a far off goal, but rather immersing yourself in the present moment fully and acquiring all of these bits of information and experiences so that by the time you cross over, if you were to look at kind of your basket of life, your basket would be full full of experiences, wisdom gained, knowledge, and all of that. It's like when you look back on, uh, I think in the movie Titanic, if you all remember in the movie Titanic, when, the, when Rose is the old lady and it pans across her 
um, dresser in her bedroom, I think, or something like that, sofa table maybe. And it has all the pictures of all the things that Rose has done from horseback riding to flying a plane to this, that, whatever. Many of us, our journey and our purpose in this lifetime is to gain a ton of experiences and to be like Rose and have these memories through those pictures of all of the things that she did. So many of us are gathering so much soul knowledge this lifetime. So in that case, your purpose is to follow your heart in any moment. And some of those things that you follow may last as a deep love of something. Say all of a sudden your heart's like, you should try scuba diving. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna follow my heart. And you sign up for scuba diving, you get certified, you start scuba diving, and then you realize you absolutely fall in love with it. And then you do so much of it that you become an expert in this one region. And then biologists are asking you questions like it becomes your purpose in a roundabout way. But the key is to follow your heart fully in moments and immerse yourself in it because it's in those moments that you get more and more direction about what your purpose is. And I also want to say too that some people's purpose is simply also in being the frequency that they are, that their presence on this planet emits a frequency. Often it's of just unconditional love. And those are usually the people that people are drawn to you like crazy. They always tell you all kinds of stories, whether you know them well or not. Your frequency alone is you emitting a big part of your purpose. And that is carrying a frequency of unconditional love. So there's many ways in which you can figure that out, but listen to your personal resonance. Where's your heart calling you and why? That's the biggest piece there. Okay, next one. How do you know if you're going through a blocked period or your guides are just being silent? This is a good question. (sighs) I'm going to ask the guides right here about this because I've had this struggle many times too, where I'm like, I feel like I'm blocked. Sometimes I find out I actually wasn't being blocked. Spirit was just being silent. Other times spirit is being silent to prove a point. So let me just ask them. Hold on. Okay. So first of all, they're chuckling and they're laughing and they love this question. They're like, we get this all the time. And they're kind of speaking on behalf of many of our guides as we get this all the time. They said, as a rule of thumb, when you feel like you're asking questions and you're not getting the answer from spirit, it's because you're meant to figure something out all by yourself. That if they were meant to be stepping in at this point, they would then be stepping in against free will. So they always want to honor our free will ability to choose for ourselves. And so they will, even though they want to sometimes, they will purposely not answer because it's not in their place to give them the answer. It's kind of like if you ever, um, for those of you that have kids or work with kids, you know, if they're working on a math problem, you could give them the answer, but that's not going to help them. What's going to help them is them learning how to go through it figuring it out, learning to think critically, trying different things. So there's times where spirit won't answer because they want you to try different things. You're gaining core wisdom in this experience by them not answering. Other times they will not answer because something is already on its way. It just hasn't manifested yet. So they're just waiting for it to manifest. That's another reason. 
They're also saying sometimes there are phases in your life where you feel blocked, but they're saying any of those times where you feel blocked, that could be a universal cycle repeat, they're saying, in which you're needing to experience something again because you haven't gained all the pieces from it. So something to consider there as well. Okay, I hope that helps explain it. Again, it is a very frustrating thing to go through that and and to question it. I get frustrated, I think, almost all the time when that happens. It, it bugs me. But I've learned enough now to kind of surrender when I'm not getting an answer that something else will show itself or I will try and get as creative as I can in discovering what it could be. Okay, next one is... Um, I know you aren't crazy about talking about reptiles and I don't, um, I don't want to push people say government leaders, people of power are reptiles and, or are clones. What does this logically look like? Is their soul taken over by dark force when they're awake or doing their everyday work? Are they aware that they're a reptile or controlled? So with this question, what they're talking about is the concept of reptilian. So some people are really open to this idea. Some people are not, and that's completely okay. Now, if we think about it, there are many different kinds of ET races uh, in the galaxy uh, and, and many galaxies. And some of them, majority of them are really good. There are some that are a little bit older frequency, greed, money, power driven, Reptilians are notoriously known for that. They are reptile-like beings. Uh, They often look very, they're kind of five-pointed stars, so they have a head, two arms, two legs. They're bipedal, so they stand on their legs, but they look very reptilian-like. They go way back into the connections of the, some of the human origin stories. There's so much I could talk about with that, but it is true. I don't like to talk about it too much because it energizes that frequency. Now, what I will say, are government leaders and such reptilian? I can't say yes or no for sure because I I don't know for sure. I haven't met one of them shaking their hand and seen that energy within them. I can't say. What I can say is in life, I have come across people that are either reptilian in nature, energetically speaking, or that have contracts with them. And so what often happens with a contract, so when when asking, are they controlled, are they controlling, they often feed off energies of fear. So fear narratives, that's why we talk so much about overcoming fear narratives, because fear narratives are a really good way to keep humans in the old frequency, not in the new one. In the new frequency, it doesn't support that reptilian frequency. So it's kind of shooing them out of the way, for lack of a better word, when we have the higher frequency. All of the attempts at different fear narratives help to keep our frequency lower. And that is like an energy source for them is fear. So when people are, when people have a contract with reptilians, it's kind of like that idea where, you know, when people are like, oh, they sold their soul to the devil, right? Um, I have seen some people with a reptilian contract in which what happens is they'll be very sneaky about it. So um, either as in the form of spirit or sometimes through other people, 
they have ways of connecting with people and being like, okay, do you really want this thing? Say, say somebody wants this job. Uh, they're like, I will help you get this dream job, but then you have to, um, be at my backing call when I say so. You have to answer this, or you owe me three lifetimes of servitude or whatever. And unfortunately, some people are so desperate. They're like, yes, I'll do anything. I'll do anything for this. And so what I've seen happen is people that even have even kind of been tricked into that, they then are bound to these contracts, these soul contracts in which they can't get out of until they're completed. And so that's one of the ways that the reptilian energy or that control energy is keeping people bound into it. Now, it goes down a deep, 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 dark rabbit hole, which is not something that I really want to go down. So um, I'm going to leave it at that. I think it's a beautiful question. And so I think it's great you brought it up. Um, But basically, for those of you, anyone that's listening and thinking like, oh my gosh, what if I'm controlled? Here's the thing. Majority of you are not. Um, especially if you are, if you are aligning with your higher self, if you are critically thinking within your own energy, if you're not allowing others to control you in some way, you are in clear energy and clear heart. A lot of these controlling factors are, can happen through, um, substance abuse can also happen in more positions of power. So again, it it gets into quite a big conspiracy there and what is truth, what is fiction. It it depends on people's perspective and their understanding and their interactions. So again, it's a very delicate one to walk and tiptoe around. So I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, next one. Could you tell us more about the rise in divine masculine? How can women connect more with and stand in their divine masculine to find that internal union between divine masculine and feminine? There is a lot of literature on connecting with the feminine, but I have yet to come across much regarding the masculine. I love this question. Now, the reason I do so much is we are absolutely at a time right now where we need to embody both. We do. And you're right. There is so much literature about connecting with your feminine, what it looks like, womb wisdom and womb power and creativity. And there is such a negativity often with the masculine, but there is such a power in the divine masculine as well. And so I think right now, a really important thing is actually spirit saying that there are a lot of people right now creating literature on divine masculine. So we're probably going to be seeing that coming out 2024 and 2025. Very interesting. Um, One thing to do is to really honor the two sides within you in your actions. So for example, say there's a situation where you have the opportunity to speak or not. It's almost like inviting in the divine feminine within you and then the divine masculine and having like a meeting. And so say there's a situation you're like, I don't know if I want to say anything. You kind of embody the feminine perspective. How do you feel about this? Does this work in your favor? Do you have the energy for this? Is this going to create something out of it that is beautiful and harmonious and healing? Then you look at it from your masculine perspective of, you know, is this, where do I need to speak a boundary and where do I need to, you know, speak out, speak up, take an action, uh, create a solution, that kind of thing. And then once you've done that, then you merge the two together and you act from both points. 
And I noticed that that's something I've been doing a lot lately as well is bringing them both to the table. So it's like when I bring my higher self to the table, I bring the feminine aspect and the masculine aspect and I bring them both together. Sometimes I picture them holding hands and I speak from that so that it is balanced and paired because the masculine energy wants us to, to act, to not hold back, to be strong in what we know, to make something happen. And the feminine is all about the creative nature behind it and the ideas and the flow and all of this. And so when we bring them together within, we become this, this powerhouse of grace and confidence. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. So I think that's a great question. Keep looking within, bring them both to the table. And like Spirit said, there will be more literature on it coming very soon. All right. Now, ah, the very last one here is when people come into a lifetime and they end up being something like a serial killer, do they choose to come in as that specifically in that lifetime or not? Like, is it in their life blueprint to be a serial killer? That's a great question. I'm going to answer this in, in a more removed kind of spiritual view versus the human view. So when we're creating our life blueprint, we're creating things that we would like to experience to gain wisdom. And in that, in our own journey, we also work with our guides to figure out how can this affect and help this person or affect this person or whatever. I don't think anybody would come in in their design blueprint from the higher realm saying, I will be a serial killer. I really don't. I think though, however, some people will be put in situations in their lifetime based on maybe some desires to learn what it's like to be say, in a family where there's abuse to understand how to try and move through it or heal that family line and, you know, various different situations. And what can happen, though, is that can cause a crack or a fracture in the soul, which then can lead them down a path to, say, potentially being a serial killer. Now, again, I'm taking a very spiritual view, not the human view, because we could dive into this and the psychology of it. What I do know, though, is that when... Somebody has those experiences of being that person, that oppressor, that dark force, essentially. They then are put on a path of massive spiritual growth and learning in karmic balances in lifetimes to come. So I do believe that there are a lot of things that are a part of this, but I do not believe that somebody comes in in their life blueprint from that higher realm of I'm going to be a serial killer, or I'm going to be this and this in that negative a way. They will come in with desired soul lessons, but then free will choices, uh, substances as well, uh, traumas and stuff can veer someone into a very, very dark path where they absolutely lose connection with most, if not all of their light. And then they have to karmically find a way to find that back again, because I really believe for the most part, souls are pure, pure of heart. Souls are balanced. We have all had lives where we have been really good people. We have had lives where we have been not so good people. And all of that creates our wholeness. So I hope that helps explain it a little bit. Great question. Deep question. Very deep question. 
And uh, yeah, I will leave that with all of you for now. So thank you so much for joining me on all of these Q&As. It's been so much fun. And I look forward to seeing you all soon. So I do want to say too that this will be the last podcast. I'm not going to be posting a podcast on Christmas. I will not be doing any daily card readings that week as well. So definitely check in though on January 1st. Yep, right on January 1st, I will start the new year with the January energy update with fresh ideas and perspectives and everything for January. Uh, If you're celebrating Christmas, enjoy that beautiful Christmas holiday. I know I will be, and I look forward to seeing all of you soon. So have a beautiful, beautiful holiday. 